Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Wednesday, September 27th, right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We'll take your calls today around 1115-602-260-1060 is the number. But before we go any further, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDUS1060.com poll question here uh regards to the miami dolphins are the dolphins the best team in the nfl no continues to lead the way but its lead is shrinking here a touch 62 percent of the vote yes trailing at 38 percent okay certainly really good on offense so far except in week two against new england and belichick slowed them down uh, so we'll see how the Bills' defense, which has been, I think, pretty good so far this year for the most part, see how they defend them on Sunday. Uh, the Bills a, a small home favorite in that game in Buffalo. We will answer that question around 1130. Plenty of time for you to continue to cast your vote over on uh, KDOS1060.com. Let's flip it on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Bob caught up with Brett Friedlander, SaturdayRoad.com to chat uh, Duke football. Notre Dame and Duke square off on Saturday. College game day will be there. So who do you have Saturday night at Duke? Notre Dame minus five and a half or Duke plus five and a half. And the masses unable to get themselves out of the tie as it remains in a 50-50 split. Duke, 9-4 and four last season. I think uh, some of us thought that uh, that would uh, carry over some this season, uh, but they're 4-0 and zero so far. They've won each game by at least 20 points, including the opener against Clemson. A very good start to Mike Elko's first 17 games as a head coach at Duke, and of course Elko before he was at Duke was previously the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame and coach some of the players he'll be coaching against uh, on Saturday night. We will answer that question as well around 1130. Let's dive into uh, this hour two segment one, if you will, with the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're making their final push to secure a wild card spot. It was a 15 to four win over the White Sox yesterday. Zach Davies got the start three innings, eight hits, four runs, one walk, three strikeouts and one home run. Ryan Nelson came on in relief and provided plenty of relief for and two-thirds innings, one hit, two walks, and four strikeouts. At the plate, though, it was Christian Walker and the Christian Walker show. Two home runs, six RBIs. He also had a triple, and he now has over 100 RBIs this season. Yeah, um, good for him. He's got the 30-100 thing going for the first time in his career, so that's tremendous. But it's not often in a game where a team scores 15 runs that a guy that came out of the bullpen was the star of the game. And Ryan Nelson might have saved the Diamondbacks pitching staff for the rest of the regular season. I'm not exaggerating here. Davies, who, by the way, was designated for assignment by the Diamondbacks this morning, uh, was awful again. 
uh, did make it through. He made it through three innings. He gave up, uh, you know, four runs on eight hits through those three innings, and he was gone. At that point, Nelson, who was actually supposed to start the game, which is going to start in a few moments here today, that was the original thing, is he was going to start today, came out of the bullpen, pitched four and two-thirds shutout innings, obviously was effective, and most importantly, saved their bullpen for the next few days when likely they're going to need those guys a lot. Uh, yeah, and we will certainly get into that a little bit more here as we continue talking about the Diamondbacks. The series continues this morning here. Brandon Fought now expected to get the start. Two and nine, uh, 6.08 ERA, 86 strikeouts. But when you just look at what's going on in this National League wildcard race, you have the Phillies officially clinching their berth into the playoffs, 88 and 69. And the Diamondbacks are sitting at 83 and 74. The Cubs at 82 and 75 and they uh, blew an uh, opportunity yesterday. On the outside looking in, the Marlins 81-75, and 75, a half game back, and the Reds at 81-77, and 77, one and a half games back. The Marlins really got screwed by the weather last yesterday and today. Uh, there's a big controversy about the uh, grounds crew and how the whole rainout thing was uh, in covering the tarp and covering the field with the tarp, I should say, at City Field. Uh, the Marlins have to play a doubleheader today because the game got rained out last night. Their preferred pitching staff is all messed up that they had planned for the next five days to end the regular season, and they're not going to be able to basically have the two guys that they would have preferred pitching on Saturday and Sunday now pitching on Saturday and Sunday to end the regular season. They're really pissed off. They've made it very vocal how upset they are, their entire organization uh, Kim Young, uh, the uh, the general manager, and uh, they're, they're, it's reached the point where Steve Cohen, uh, the Mets owner, has come out and tried to explain the Mets side of things. So it's gotten very ugly. They're going to play a doubleheader today starting at 1 o'clock. Uh, assume the weather is okay in New York, but it hasn't been okay in New York, as the Diamondbacks found out last weekend. It's really been bad there since last Saturday uh, with the hurricane situation through the uh, – the eastern seaboard and east uh, east coast etc so good luck but uh, the marlins have definitely been hosed by the weather here and that should benefit the diamondbacks yeah as you mentioned they're in a doubleheader today the cubs are at the braves so that's kind of how uh things are shaping up there for this continued nl wild card race flipping it on over to the american league side of things here uh in the uh now in the AL West, you have the Rangers at 88 and 69. Uh, in the wild card spots here, you have the Rays at 96 and 62, the Blue Jays at 87 and 70, the Astros at 86 and 72. On the outside looking in now is the Mariners at 85 and 72, a half game back. So some of the matchups here that are happening today, you have the Yankees at the Blue Jays. Obviously, the Yankees are eliminated, but they're sending Garrett Cole to the mound against Jose Bay. So maybe uh, the Yankees are going to try to play spoiler to the Blue Jays. The Rangers are at the Angels. And then the Astros and the Mariners face off against each other with Frambert Valdez going up against Bryce Miller. Let's start with the Yankees and the Blue Jays. The Yankees already playing the spoiler, not just to the Blue Jays, but to everybody. They have the best record in Major League Baseball since August the 28th, the Yankees. Uh, at 18-9, uh, and nine, I think that's a credit to Aaron Boone and the uh, they got a lot of minor league players 
Uh, I should rephrase that. Guys that were minor leaguers at some point this season, I believe when they played the Diamondbacks last season, and they're 26 men, or 27, I guess it is now with the rosters expanded. But they had 15 guys that were in the minor leagues at some point this season playing last weekend against the Diamondbacks. That includes Austin Wells, University of Arizona alum, uh, catcher, I think he was a first-round draft pick in 2020 or maybe 2021, one of those two years. He's already in the major leagues. He had a two-run homer in the ninth inning as the Yankees beat the uh, Jays yesterday at 2 uh, nothing. Garrett Cole making his last start of what should be his Cy Young Award season this year uh, for the Yankees. Uh, they have to mess with him after they lost that game last night. As you mentioned, Cole against Jose Barrios, who's been really good this season for the most part, but has had a couple of shaky starts here lately. It looked like the Jays, when the week started, were in pretty good shape, but now they're kind of staggering uh, to the finish line. And uh, the fact that if they don't make the playoffs for some reason, they're just going to look at their record against the American League East, their American League counterparts. They're 19-28 uh, and 28 against uh, their division opponents so far this year. Meanwhile, you mentioned, uh, quickly I'll wrap up here, you mentioned the Rangers and the Mariners and the, uh, and the, uh, and the Astros situation. Uh, the Rangers and the Mariners begin a four-game series at Seattle to end the season starting tomorrow. Yeah, so, and then also, if you look even further ahead of that, the Astros are here against the Diamondbacks. So there's plenty of pivotal things ahead here for, for yes. both of those squads. And remember, the Astros are great on the road. They're horrible at home, but they're great on the road. They did lose last night, but uh, you know, they are one of the best road teams in baseball, and they're a, roughly a 500. They might even be under 500 at home now. But uh, not good at home. But the fact that they're probably, I don't know if they're, quote, happy that they're on the road to end the season in the final week of the uh, regular season at least. But uh, certainly they've been far, far more successful on the road than they have been at home. The Diamondbacks are currently underway, taking on the White Sox. The game just getting started here. Uh, 0-0 in the top of the first with uh, the Diamondbacks already having two outs. So we'll continue to update that throughout the hour. We'll take your phone calls on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. I know we didn't have that opportunity in hour number one, so certainly... Uh, we'll get to you in this segment, 602-260-1060. In addition to that, uh, new AP Top 25 out for college football. Go through some of these squads, uh, some takeaways that we have, some metrics that kind of may maybe match or don't match what we're seeing. We'll dive into that in terms of college football. But as I want to point out, make sure uh, you take advantage of this opportunity, 602-260-1060, if you'd like to chime in as we did not get to that in our number one. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Back after this. Check out the Doug Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060.
1119 here on KDOS AM 1060. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Brandon Fott is getting his afternoon or morning started here uh, as the Diamondbacks are taking on the White Sox 0-0 in the bottom of the first. I also want to make mention of this here around the NFL. You have the NFL Players of the Week and uh, Matt Prater earned the special teams NFC player of the week. Probably no surprise when you go three for three on field goals, including a 62 yarder. Uh, It is his 15th career player of the week award and first since week 17 of 2021. As I had mentioned here, getting into the world of college football and the new AP Top 25 is out after such a huge weekend, uh, there was going to be a natural reshuffling of things. But at the top, it remains the same with Georgia 4-0 on the season here. They have forced more punts than any other team in the country. But I think that that should probably have like a tiny little asterisk behind it because they've played UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, and UAB. Uh, So it's interesting here about Georgia. Do we know enough about these Bulldogs yet? Yeah, they're really talented. Um, In fact, I think most of these stats in September in college football are bogus because hardly anybody plays anybody in the month of September unless there's been some early conference game action. And other than Clemson, uh, I'm not really sure if anybody uh, that is a prominent program has played two conference games so far uh, this particular season. So yeah, I think a lot of these stats you're going to be hearing are highly misleading because it's just not a level playing field. I will say one thing, which is a level playing field, In the history of the SEC, the history of it, uh, Kirby Smart has the most wins over after, excuse me, after 100, after he's coached 100 games as head coach, he's 85 and 15. That is the most wins in the first 100 games of any coach in the history of the conference. Wow. Number two on this list is Michigan. They're 4-0. Jim Harbaugh came back to coach last week. Uh, Michigan's stop rate on defense is 87.8%. Stop rate is defenses, drives, ending in punts, turnovers, or turnover on downs. You then also had just kind of following along with J.J. McCarthy here after he was so good in the first couple of weeks, some struggles. So how did he do last week against Rutgers? 15 of 21, 214 yards, and one touchdown. Well, just going back to my theme from the last thing, uh, I heard on CBS Sports Network last night that no team in the top 45 has played a worse schedule so far than Michigan. And I do know for sure that Michigan, at least as of right now, does not play a ranked opponent until November. Whew. Number three on this list here is Texas. They're also 4-0. and oh. uh, Texas shut down Baylor, put up 38 points. Quinn Ewers, 18 of 23, 293 yards, one touchdown here. Have you continued to be impressed with Quinn Ewers? Yeah, the Baylor game is more running the ball, and I think that was the biggest question I had about Texas entering the season. You know, they lost, obviously, you know, two of their, you know, the top two running backs, Bijan with Atlanta, and uh, it looks like Johnson is going to be, if not the starting running back for the Bears, and he was the backup for Robinson last year in Texas. Looks like that uh, Johnson's going to be the Bears' you know, primary running back at some point. 
Then again, the Bears have to make the right decision as to whether he's the primary running back. Clearly, watching him play, he's better than the other two guys that are supposedly either ahead of him or with him. So we'll see what's up with that. But the fact that they physically dominated that game on offense by running the ball at Baylor, which isn't great. That team's definitely dropped off the last two years. But the, the, the fact that Brooks had 100-plus yards rushing in that game, and uh, he was like the fourth running back last year, and now he's getting 100 yards rushing per game for them, at least last, last week he was. So that's the most impressive thing about Texas. And of the three teams we've already talked about, clearly Texas has been the most impressive based on what they've done against competition this year. I need to interrupt our AP Top 25 for college football because we have breaking basketball news. Damian Lillard is on the move, and it involves the Phoenix Suns as well. So this is according here to Adrian Wojnarowski. Damian Lillard is going to Milwaukee as part of a three-team deal with Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tommy Kamara, and a 2029 unprotected Milwaukee first and unprotected Milwaukee swap rights in 2028 and 2030 to the Blazers. Phoenix is getting Joseph Nurich, Grayson Allen, Nasser Little, and Keon Johnson. Okay, I gotta sit down and try to figure this out, but uh, you know, the Nurkic, uh, Nurkic thing is good, I guess. I even mean, though he's never get the ball here, so, and he's a, you know, kind of a foul-prone machine, uh, so it clearly is a drop-off. You know, people are really happy. I'm sure there'll be a parade downtown because Aiton has been traded because he's responsible for every loss the Suns have had since he's been here. Uh, but I assume that uh, – I think this is actually good for Aiton because, you know, his next contract, he's going to have far better offensive numbers than he's going to have here, and that's based on – you know, contracts are based on that. So I'm sure that people are thrilled here. Uh, this does not make them any closer to win a championship because I don't think they're that close to winning a championship this year, no matter who's on the roster, because they have too many guys that are all offense, don't play defense, they still don't have a bench, and I'm really concerned about the head coach. So, Other than that, I'm on the Suns. So to simplify it here, we'll take away some of the, the draft picks and uh, figure that all out later. But uh, Damian Lillard here is going to Milwaukee. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is going to the Trailblazers. In return for all of this here, Phoenix is getting Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasser Little, and Keon Johnson, as well as Drew Holiday as part of this here, and he is going to Portland. So that is how that's the, all that's that... the part that surprises me because we knew about this Aiton possibility last Thursday when it first broke in Portland. Absolutely. Uh, when it comes down to looking at this 2021 Suns NBA Finals team. There's been a complete roster overhaul now because Devin Booker is the only player remaining from that squad. Also, there's been a massive drop in coaching, in my opinion, without Monty Williams here. So we'll continue to have some reaction to all of that here uh, throughout the rest of the week as we uh, try to catch up on more information in regards to all of this that is happening. Continuing, though, with the new AP Top 25, uh, we went through one, two, and three. Number four is Ohio State. They're 4-0 and coming off of their win against Notre Dame. The Buckeyes are fifth in stop rate at 85.3%. It was a big win against Notre Dame, and they face Maryland. 
Maryland next. A couple of things here. How has historically under Ryan Day, Ohio State been in games the very next week after coming off of something that was so emotional and emotionally taxing and physically taxing as that game against Notre Dame? Well, they don't play this week, so that's a good thing. Um, They have this week off, and they play uh, Maryland next week, which could be a big showdown because Maryland, as always, is great in September. Uh, So I assume Maryland's going to beat Indiana this week, which is probably the worst team in the Big Ten uh, because Northwestern has actually won two games. Uh, So that'll be a big showdown next week. Uh, That stop rate thing is just totally bogus. Uh, because they played three teams that were completely overmatched to begin the season. And then Notre Dame uh, physically destroyed Ohio State at the line of scrimmage, quite frankly, in the second half of that very fortunate Buckeye victory last Saturday night in South Bend. And I think that there are still significant questions about the Ohio State defense. Number five, Florida State, they're 4-0. FSU stop rate is 49th at 68.1% here. Uh, what do we make of Jordan Travis, and what do we make of kind of the lack of run game against Clemson? That I have no idea. I mean, Clemson has a good defensive front. I think that might be about the only part of their team that I really think they're particularly good at. I think they're pretty much average or below average everywhere else. Uh, but the fact that Florida State couldn't run the ball at all in that game is uh, really uh, eye-raising to me. Uh, I can also make a case that just based on what we've seen in September, Florida State's beaten LSU and they've won at Clemson. Uh, If you were actually just going to do a top 25 based on what we've seen so, so far this season, Florida State would have to be number one. Number six on this list is Penn State. They're also 4-0. Penn State's stop rate is first at 88.9%. Plus, you have Drew Aller now at quarterback here. Has he passed the early season test so far? He's been good. A couple things have been a little strange, though, uh, so far. First up, they've played nobody on offense. Uh, they've played you know, some of the worst offenses in college football, including Iowa last week. But they're number one in the nation in time of possession. They've had some very long drives. They're number one. They've had the fewest turnovers of any team in college football. They've had zero in four games. And they're number one in total defense, which is, you know, I think largely because they, they're good, but they're not this good, I don't think. We're not going to find out until much later in the season when they play in Columbus and they host uh, Michigan. Uh, but uh, – the perplexing thing is they have this great running back combo of Nick Singleton and Kenton, Kenton Allen. Those two guys combined their longest run so far in four games against three bad defenses and a good defense in Iowa. Their longest run between them is 19 yards. And collectively, they're 63rd in the country in yards per carry. Number seven on this list here is Washington at 4-0. and The Huskies stop rate 25th at 76%. Uh, they have historically last year did not have a very good defense. Michael Penix Jr., though, is continuing to light things up. 74.6% completion percentage, 1,636 yards, 16 touchdowns, and just two picks. And he's only been sacked once. Another team that has played a completely garbage schedule so far. Uh, They gave up 30 points in the second half last week to Cal. Uh, So we'll see 
Uh, they play in Tucson this week, but the U of A had five starters leave with injury last week, including Jaden Delore at quarterback, best running back Michael Wiley, best defensive player in some people's opinion, Justin Flo, all injured. Jed Fish wouldn't offer even a hint whether those guys are going to play this week against Washington. Washington's almost a three-touchdown favorite. Last I looked, it was a 19-point favorite in that game against the U of A Saturday night in Tucson. The U of A, uh, I need to double-check this, but I'm pretty sure they have not even won three straight games in any season since Rich Rod was the head coach. Number eight, USC, 4-0. and uh, USC's stop rate is 30th at 75.5%. I think there's still questions on defense um, for the Trojans here, right? Absolutely. Another team that has played nobody so far. Sorry, ASU fans, but they haven't played anybody so far. Uh, I have no idea uh, through four games if they're any better at anything. Offensive line and their defense were their questions before the season. And four games into the season, I have no idea. Don't think I'm going to learn a whole lot this week because they play Colorado. And Colorado obviously was physically destroyed at the offense. Really, both sides of the ball uh, on the you know just at the line of scrimmage in that when they got killed by Oregon last week. Number nine is Oregon, four and zero here. The Ducks uh, second twenty second in stop rate at seventy seven point one percent. Then you have Bo Nix here, seventy nine point four percent completion percentage for him, one thousand one hundred and sixty nine yards, eleven touchdowns, one interception, and three sacks. But they play on the road this week, so it'll be bad Bo Nix, even though they play at Stanford. <laughs> Number 10 is Utah. They're 4-0. Utah is 8th in stop rate at 83.8%, and they just find ways to get it done. Yeah. Um, they play Friday night at Oregon State. See if Oregon State can respond to them being embarrassed. Uh, they had 21 phony points last week in the fourth quarter last week, but on to, back to Utah. So will this be the week that Cam Rising makes his debut? Will this be the week that stud linebacker Kareem Reed, who was injured in the first game against Florida, comes back? We were led to believe that they were both going to play the last two weeks. They haven't played either of those games. Uh, Rising has not played any snaps this season. Reed was injured in that first game at Florida. So who knows? Good luck, folks, if you're trying to bet. So if you're looking here about the Pac-12, uh, they have Washington 7th, USC 8th, Oregon 9th, Utah 10th. I know that USC is undefeated here, and we all have the expectations for them, and Caleb Williams is always being the perennial conversation starter for the number one overall draft pick here. But could you make the argument that USC actually is the third or fourth best team in the Pac-12? I guess I could, but I'm not going to waste my time even trying to come up with that because really, uh, who's the best team that any of these teams have beaten outside the conference so far? And any of them. I don't have an answer to that. Notables here uh, in the AP Top 25, it's Notre Dame 11, Alabama 12, 13 is LSU, 14 Oklahoma, 
15 UNC, 16 is WSU, and 17 is Duke. And, of course, Duke and Notre Dame is a conversation we'll have coming up on the other side of the break when we answer the poll questions here. Uh, but if you missed it, to kind of interrupt the segment here, Adrian Wardenowski reporting here that Damian Lillard is going to be a Milwaukee Buck as part of a three-team deal with Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, and Tomani Kamara. There's plenty of picks involved as well here. But the implications that uh, Damian Lillard is going to Milwaukee, Drew Holiday is going to Portland, Adrian Wojnarowski also reporting, though, that the Blazers remain engaged in other conversations to try to move Drew Holiday to a contending team. Uh, DeAndre Ayton going to Portland in return for for that. Uh, Phoenix is getting Nurkic. Grayson Allen, Nasser Little, and Keon Johnson. Uh, the surprise here is, of course, Damian Lillard and where he's been linked to all offseason long. Uh, the, the the Milwaukee Bucks were certainly not one of those teams. I'm curious, though, if some of the comments on different podcasts and things from Giannis have kind of spurred this conversation on to take advantage of Giannis's time before he seemingly said, you know, hey, I want to be somewhere where I'm going to win. Yeah, I will mention that the Bucks were part of the deal, uh, part of the uh, discussion. I mentioned this on the Sports Zone yesterday. I believe that was a Mark Spears report on ESPN on Monday that the Bucks were the front runner at that point. So there we go. DeAndre Ayton is no longer a part of the Phoenix Suns. He is going to be a Portland Trailblazer. Uh, when you look back at the 2021 Phoenix Suns team that played for an NBA title, you only have Devin Booker left on that roster. There's been a complete roster overhaul, obviously, as well, a complete coaching overhaul to begin this particular uh, NBA campaign. On the other side of the break, though, we will dive into the poll questions, the KDOS1060.com poll question, as well as the Twitter poll question at KDOSAM1060. That's all coming up on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Your morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's time to get into today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Are the Dolphins the best team in the NFL, yes or no? The answer to this is no. In fact, I think it's kind of a ridiculous question, quite frankly, but I've heard it mentioned in the last uh, 24 hours, 48 hours, and a couple of uh, national broadcasts and one podcast. Uh, so I thought it was proper question. think it's just an absurd question, quite frankly, uh, that their defense is highly suspect. Uh, I think they've been challenged once 
and uh, they were lucky to win that game because you know basically their offense was so good they weren't going to lose that San Diego excuse me Los Angeles game the Chargers game I should say I just need to say start using the word Chargers and not do the location of where they used to play and where they currently play but I'll figure that out in another five years maybe but anyway uh, the defense I think is highly suspect surprisingly. Now, their special teams have had some issues so far this season. Uh, so I think that they're far from a complete team. Obviously, they've been explosive on offense, even though week two against New England, if New England had any kind of offense, they would have won that game or certainly could have won that game. But they were only really unable to make any plays uh, when they had opportunities, more than one opportunity in the red zone to convert uh, – what turned out to either be zero points or field goals into touchdowns. Yeah, so offensively, obviously, they are plenty explosive. They put plenty of pressure on defenses here. Their rush game is uh, really good. You have, obviously, Mostert. You have Achon uh, getting it done. Tua has been really efficient. Yards after catch, uh, lots of lots of speed. So they certainly are uh, very explosive on the offensive side of the ball. My question, though, for the Dolphins here, because this is about whether or not they're the best team, is what do we know? about this Dolphins defense and have we seen them up against elite offenses through three weeks and how have they how have they done you know obviously I think the Chargers to your point is the the offense that was able to put the most pressure on them and it became a shootout so I have some questions there about the defense and uh, you know injuries have certainly played a factor into all of that and learning Vic Fangio's system and there's still plenty of time for them to uh, figure things out on the defense side of the ball and become a complete team but I'm just sitting here thinking to myself there are other teams that have both sides of the ball already figured out with the 49ers uh, with the Eagles with uh, you know the Chiefs with what they're what they've been able to do so far this point uh, on the defensive side of the ball so I'm uh, on the no side obviously they've been really uh, fun to watch uh, offensively here putting up some points and they have a huge contest on Sunday going to Buffalo facing the Bills and that could tell us they're a lot about the Dolphins team as well but uh, the question is right now that's through three weeks so I'm on the no side yeah the Jalen Ramsey injury completely changed my mind about Miami before the season he's not going to come back until December I'm assuming that it's going to go well and he'll come back in December Uh, but yeah I was all over Miami before the Ramsey injury and then you know they had you know a couple other preseason injuries and training camp situations that kind of got me even off to them a little bit. You know, Armstead, the left tackle, missed massive time, and he's missed time in his career. So I was on, and then I was off, and uh, they are really fun to watch. And, you know, I wish I had some of their fantasy players, which I have none. Uh, whoops. In fact, the guy that actually is shockingly has the most points in our the fantasy league I'm in through three weeks has Tua and Tyreek Hill on his roster. <laughs> oh. Wow. Uh, The masses are on the no side of things here at 69% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 31%. This is KDOS1060.com. 
flipping it on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Uh, Bob had a conversation talking about Duke football in the nine o'clock hour. If you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS 1060.com as well as with the KDOS 1060 app. He chatted with Brett Friedlander with SaturdayRoad.com. The question here, who do you have Saturday night at Duke? Notre Dame minus five and a half or Duke plus five and a half. Uh, you know, Riley Renner, Leonard has been really impressive thus far. He's played really well. He's been really consistent. Uh, you have, obviously, um, a lot that they were able to accomplish against Clemson there. Um, some of the other things, though, that I wonder about this particular contest is that it's always tough to play such an emotional game and lose, as Notre Dame did, and then turn around and have all of the hype surrounding what's happening here in Duke and uh, college game day is going to be there. The excitement that's surrounding Duke and the football program as it hasn't had this kind of uh, fanfare, maybe ever. Uh, so I'm just kind of wondering about that side of things for Notre Dame and then also the emotional element that Duke might be playing with so maybe it could be uh, a little sloppy to get things started before they get into a bit of a rhythm Uh, Duke's defense uh, has the second best stop rate in college so that is something to maybe pay attention to I know there's been obviously some other opponents that uh, may not be up to snuff to to make that be what it is I do lean in the direction, though, of Duke plus five and a half. I think they're a pretty solid team. Yeah, I would, for the purpose of the question, I'd go along with you. I would, you know, I would go with Duke plus five and a half. Uh, if there was ever a game, you know, I've said this a hundred times before, and we'll say it a hundred more times, I'm sure, in the future. If there was ever a game made for in-game betting, this is it. Uh, will Notre Dame show up? They're going to have to show up, and they got to start showing up like this week. They've already lost one high-profile game. Can't afford to lose another one uh, if they're going to be in the CFP conversation. And they start a three-game stretch. Obviously, if you want to go back to the last Saturday, a four-game stretch. But the next three games uh, starting this week are at Duke, at undefeated Louisville. Actually, they might have lost one game. Anyway, a little high-scoring Louisville. And then they host USC. That's the next three weeks for Notre Dame. Uh, And then throw the Ohio State game before that. So I'm guessing there may not be too many teams in college football that play a four-game stretch like this all season long. Uh, So we'll see how it goes. Uh, As far as the positives for Notre Dame, they've won 29 regular season games against ACC opponents. Also, Sam Hartman is familiar with Duke, even though Duke did beat him. Uh, at last last year when Hartman was still the quarterback of Wake Forest, but they put up and he you know, he and Wake Forest put up 31 points in that game. Uh, fortunately for Duke, Duke scored 34. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, for I've got a lot. I talked a lot about Duke in the first hour, whether it be with the interview at uh, the 9:15 segment or with Matt and Phoenix. We talked about this game in the uh, 9.30 segment, so we can, you know, for more on all that, you can just kind of listen to what I had to say then when you podcast, if you've missed the first part of the show. Uh, Yeah, and I think that when we had discussed Notre Dame football preseason, that we thought that they had the chance to be a much improved team uh, defensively, maybe getting a little bit more athletic, uh, as well as Sam Hartman and the changes that he can bring to the offense there. 
But I think we also honed in on the schedule as being problematic and that uh, even if they are a better team, maybe it doesn't necessarily translate to a ton more wins. Or certainly, I think we were both on the under side of things with their season win total just because of this schedule being such a brute. Absolutely. Uh, Excellent word, brute. like that one. Uh, So, yeah, uh, that's for sure. Uh, We'll see what happens. But, you know, this, you know, as I mentioned, this four-week stretch is really difficult for anybody uh no matter who you are in college football the masses this would be tough for like georgia <laughs> but yeah you know, they don't play they, they like michigan really don't play a whole lot of challenging regular season games uh the masses here remain unable to make a decision they're in a 50 50 split that's over on twitter at kdus am 1060 plenty of local things that we have been talking about uh, and for the diamondbacks they've been able to chase the white Sox starting pitcher it's three nothing now in the top of the third and they're set to make a pit- pitching change so i'm watching uh yeah. commercials at the moment here so we'll have well, an update this is, this is a yeah this is a strictly a bullpen game for the white Sox. they've got nobody uh, I, I, just want, I looked at their lineup before the game started. I have no idea. Actually, I do. I know who Trey, you know, Trey uh, Thompson, uh, that's uh, you know, basically you know, you know, the, of the Thompson family. Uh, but he's been in the major leagues before. But they've got like four guys at the bottom of their lineup today who are, I'm sure, at some point this season in the minor leagues. So. For second straight series, the Diamondbacks playing a triple-A roster, so you better take advantage of this. They did not do it in New York. Hopefully they do in Chicago. We will wrap up this Wednesday, September 27th edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. segment of this Wednesday, September 27th edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob and I with you Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays from 10 to noon. But it's that time once again. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, tweeters, emailers, callers, whatever uh, slipped through the cracks. I you know, blew up my own jingle there. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Uh, but I'll get it right tomorrow, maybe. Tune in to see. Tune in tomorrow to see if I get it right during this segment. Also, thanks to our guest today, Brett Friedlander. We really especially want to thank him. He joined us uh, really late, last minute notice to uh, help us with the Duke preview. Uh, and uh, Brett from SaturdayRoad.com. Uh, tomorrow at 9.15, we'll preview the Lions and Packers Thursday night game with Tim Twentyman of uh, DetroitLions.com. Sound of the day courtesy of CBS, NBC Sports, ESPN, Major League Baseball, Fox, and also WIP in Philadelphia as the uh, Phillies clinch a playoff berth for a second consecutive season in dramatic 10th inning walk-off fashion yesterday. Uh, so good for the Phillies. I'm glad they're in the playoffs because they're, they're, they're a fun team to watch and I think that they are going to be a threat 
in the postseason, so that's good as opposed to maybe a couple teams that might be in the playoffs that I'm not sure whether they really deserve to be in the playoffs. We'll see how this goes in the next few days. As always, special thanks to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports 2 with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. A couple of things that have caught my attention here. The Jets, they've officially signed quarterback Trevor Simeon to their practice squad. Currently on the active roster, it is Zach Wilson. He's been the starter since Aaron Rodgers went down with the Achilles injury. The backup to him is Tim Boyle. Uh, so we'll see what ends up happening on that front. Uh, then Trevor he- Simeon's not any good. I mean, people that actually think he's going to be their starting quarterback... It would have to be a com- total, complete, even more of a disaster than it's been. He is not good. We've seen plenty of him. He was good at Northwestern back in the day. I have completely forgot he had a stint with the Jets, and then he got very seriously injured, and that stint ended very quickly. Yeah, I didn't, don't remember that either. But yeah, he had a chance with the Broncos, and he's not. He can't. He's not good. So good luck. I know they needed somebody. I don't even think he's better than Boyle, Uh, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, The Ravens uh, have had Ronnie Stanley and Tyler Linderbaum as well as Marcus Williams back at practice today, so that could be potentially good news for the Ravens. And then, of course, if you missed the breaking news from earlier in the hour, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reporting that Damian Lillard is going to Milwaukee as part of a three-team deal. Drew Holiday is going to the Blazers. The Blazers are engaging in talks elsewhere to move him to a contending team. But with all of this moving parts here, the Phoenix Suns are involved. DeAndre Ayton is going to Portland. Uh, Phoenix in return is getting Joseph Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasser Little, and Keon Johnson. So that has been the big uh, trade of the day, which leaves only Devin Booker remaining as part of the NBA title team for the Suns back in 2021. You know, I am keep checking my text alerts here to see what time the parade route is that Aiton's out of here. Uh, so I'm sure that uh, people will be thrilled that he's no longer a son. When I was going through my rehab process last year while the sons were getting eliminated in the playoffs, it seemed like every medical person that knew what I did for a living wanted to just trash DeAndre Aiton. And uh He's responsible for every loss the Suns had in his entire career as a Sun player, so can't blame him anymore if they don't win the championship this year. Uh, In addition to that, you have the Diamondbacks on top of the White Sox right now in the bottom of the third, 3-0, but Brandon fought on the mound trying to get out of something here. One out with two on for the White Sox in the bottom of the third as the Diamondbacks continue their push to solidify their spot in the wild card position. Uh, We will get into much more tomorrow, starting with the Sports Zone, 9 a.m. and the extra point following from 10 to noon. Have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. Looking forward to doing it with you again tomorrow.